When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Uplifting Impact, our podcast. My name is Deanna Singh, and I'm the Chief Change Agent. And I'm Justin Ponder, Chief Information Officer. And I know that we don't normally do these together. We normally have an amazing guest on with us asking really great questions to help us learn from one another. But it's the end of the year and the end of season two of the podcast. And so we thought we would mix it up a little bit and that we would use this as an opportunity to just talk to all of you, all of you wonderful people who have been following us along on this journey and just share a little bit more of some of our own personal perspectives as we think about what diversity, equity, and inclusion means in our day-to-day practice. Yeah. And we're going to turn some of the questions back on us. So <laughs> these are questions that people give us lots of time. So if you're familiar with the podcast, you know that we start every line of questioning. The first question we ask people is, what brings you joy? So he was like, okay, you're asking everybody that every week. What (laughs) brings you joy? So, you know, what brings you joy? You know, I was thinking a a lot about this question. It's a question that we ask quite often in our family, in the company, right? What brings you joy? Because I think it's something that's always moving, Mm -hmm. but I've been reflecting on this a lot. You know, we are recording this right in between kind of our celebration, um, all of our kind of end of the year celebrations. And one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is how our children, so Zephaniah, who's uh, 13 and Zion, who's nine, how they are bringing some of the conversations that we have about diversity, equity, and inclusion <laughs> into their own vocabulary and into their own thinking. I really appreciate when our children stop and they'll say, um, well, how does that person prefer to be identified or how, what, what, how do, what, how, are, their what are their pronouns, you yeah. know? And they ask questions like that. And I'm like, that's a really, like, I love that. I love that when they're having conversations with each other, they're asking that question um, or questions like that. Right. Or they'll say, you know what? We really haven't done a lot of studying in this area in school, or, or I've never actually seen a movie by this, you know, a, a group of people who represents this social identity, but they're just like, maneuvering through the world with a lot of the things that we talk about. And I, I don't know, I just really like, it brings me a lot of joy that they're going to be able to be so much better than we are. Right. And start in a different place and Mm -hmm. that they can kind of lead some of these conversations. So Mm -hmm. anyways, I've been reflecting on that a a lot as they, as they continue to challenge us and themselves. Right. So what brings me joy? There's a whole lot of things, but I think in particular, when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion, what's been bringing me a lot of joy lately is getting the opportunity to work at people. And you see this moment where they move from fear to hope, where public conversation about these issues is filled with so much controversy and vitriol that they've been socialized to be afraid of it, that talking about race, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, all these things that we talk about so often, They have been socialized to believe that these are so taboo and talking about them makes them worse. Or that talking about these issues in their organization or doing a deeper dive into how their organizations can be more inclusive, that that's going to be a painful process. 
And it's always very exciting to see this moment where they realize I don't have to be afraid. Now, that's not to say that it's synonymous with arrogance and overconfidence and saying, I'm good. I knew all those issues don't apply to me. What's best is when people move away from fear to hope, even the hope that they're going to change. Even when there are some things that they learn about themselves that are less than comfortable, they see some challenges and some opportunities to move ahead. But when you see them move from overwhelming and freezing fear to, oh, wait, this is not what I thought it was. Oh, wait, this is not what I was told it was. Oh, wait, this is not as scary as I thought it was. That's very exciting. And it fills me with a lot of hope. I think it's cool, too, because I think people realize, like, it doesn't have to be that hard either. Right. You know, and that there's a lot of things that they're already doing or that they're already really good at. And then they could just do those things more or they could do them with more intention or Mm -hmm. they can bring other people alongside them. And so I think it's like, I agree with you. Like I get so excited when people are like, you see this like deep breath, like, okay. (laughs) Okay. Right. And they go from like this, like, I like, you know, deer in headlights kind of look to like, just like calm and and peace. And it's so cool to be there to watch that transition. But I like the moment after too, right. Where they're like, okay, now I can put it in action. Like I can, I can do something with it. So Mm -hmm. that I think is really cool. That's a cool one. That's good. Good work there, Ponder. (laughs) (laughs) So another question that we commonly get, because we always, well, not always, but like lots of times in our conversations on the podcast, we have different kind of questions where people will deliver all the awesome stuff that they are already doing and the things that they've learned. And there might always be this kind of point in the conversation where we ask them like, so what are you learning now? So what are you doing to continue growing? So people ask that quite a lot of us. Like, Can I answer this one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cause I love this question. <laughs> I like learning. <laughs> I yes. like learning. Um, I think actually one of the things that I really appreciate and that Justin helps me to do and to kind of accomplish is that Justin is always teaching a course or some kind of a course on literature. And so he, you know, is often teaching a course on like, hey, here are some great writers, women writers, or here are some great uh, Cuban writers, or here are some great, whatever it might be that he's focusing on in his literature classes. I like to read all those books. And so it becomes really cool because not only can we have conversations, like I get to have conversations with the professor whenever I want to about the topics that he's picked or the books that he's picked, but I also get to really expand my horizons on the number of books that um, I get to read and the kinds of books that I get to read. So I have a wonderful, wonderful time, like moving into these different (laughs) spaces and getting just so excited. And right now I'm reading a book. This is my second book from this writer or third perhaps mm-hmm. from this writer and I'm so excited I, I keep waking Justin up like no I know. Listen, that's I what I was laughing that. about because <laughs> he tends to read after I've fallen asleep but continues to wake me like oh Justin oh you won't believe <laughs> listen what happened listen to this passage listen to what happened I'm reading a book by um Erdrich what's Louise Louise Erdrich thank you and awesome writer if you don't know writer Figure it out. Check it out. Louise Erdrich. So I'm reading uh, Louise's newest book. I'm just at the very beginning of it, so I can't spoil anything, but it's um, just phenomenal writing and and just a really interesting perspective on, you know, a different social identity. And so anyways, it's just been, it's been really awesome. So that's one of my favorite ways of learning (laughs) is like saddling up next to Justin's literature list and And waking me up up to to read amazing passages and things that I'm learning about different communities. So it's one of my favorite things to do. 
So right now, what I'm doing for my learning is like in a lot of the workshops, a lot of the training sessions, when we have the kind of ask me anything moment, we do a lot of work on, hey, how to make the workplace more inclusive, how to foster more belonging, how to, and it, there's these moments where it gets even broader, where bigger than inclusion, bigger than belonging is, I find myself answering over and over that the purpose of organizations in the 21st century, especially in the United States, are to subjectify people. Like we talk about objectifying, turning people into objects, turning them to passive recipients, turning them into things that are acted upon. And what we see, especially during the COVID-19 social distancing measures, as people have isolated even more, people have drawn even more, and also people aren't going back to work in traditional ways. They're seeing, it's kind of this change has highlighted the ways in which they've their workplaces have always objectified them. I don't recognize you as a person. I only recognize you as a worker and I will only respond to you insofar as you can efficiently produce utility for me. So even before the pandemic, there was a pandemic happening in these organizations and the pandemic and just people not having to go into that uh, and re-rehearse that kind of dehumanizing environment, then relief, like, wait, hold on a second. This is different and this is strange and they're seeing it even more. And as they're reluctant to go back into the workplaces, they're like, I'm a person and I'm increasingly wanting to be in a place that recognizes me as a person. And a statistic that's really interesting and shocking to me is that by 2025, which is just three years, three years and a few weeks away from now, in the United States, millennials are set to be the number one age demographic in the workplace at 75%. And the key difference that I see with millennials or that's been done in studies of millennials from other generations of workers is they will work more. They will show up more. They will be much more willing to work beyond the nine to five than any other generation. They will show up to work more if you allow more of them to show up at work. I'll say that again. They will show up to work more if you allow more of them to show up at work. If you allow them to be a full person. If you recognize them not as an object, but if you recognize them as a human subject, if you go beyond a whole system of objectifying them and actively look for ways to subjectify them, you're like, yes, you are a human being. And when we do trainings, lots of times we'll have like, here's our information. Here's some time for you to think. Now you talk back. And like the questions and the instructions will be pretty broad to give people a place to fill in what makes sense to them. And the, so what are we supposed to do? I'm like, just fill in. We can just do anything. Yep, you can just do anything. You have complete freedom. Yeah. And there's something kind of profound in that, like needing the reassurance that like, yes, we recognize you as a human subject. So I've been really interested in that. And yeah, I'll stop there. Otherwise, I'll go for four hours. <laughs> Get excited about learning. You know what I thought you were going to say? Hmm. I thought you were going to talk about love. Yeah, that's where I was going to go, but that's a whole other 10 minutes. So okay. <laughs> I will go down the rabbit hole for two minutes. Stop me. <laughs> so I don't go longer because I'm going to hear what you say. So I'm doing a lot of like work on love. Like, I mean, you didn't think we were going to talk about love, did you, on, on the podcast? But here we go. And that's interesting. Like, it's like, why don't we talk about this? We talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, justice, engagement. Um, 
We talk about all these other terms, but we do not talk about love Mm -hmm. because we've been socialized to think love is this overwhelming, irrational, emotional, and only romantic thing, as opposed to an intentional chosen act of some self-negotiation to subjectify the other, to make them into a fully recognizing human being, to create the conditions where we listen, where we accommodate, where we understand. And they become more human than they could have been without us. And we become more human than we could have been without them. So yes, I'm researching love in, as an act of diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm really looking at Bell Hooks, a Black feminist scholar. She has lots of fantastic things written on it. Also, Luce Irigaray, who's a French feminist writer. And I'm also reading a lot by Sam C., who's a queer theorist. And their ideas about love, its purpose, the ways in which in the United States, we've been socialized to think about it as something that just emotionally or rationally happens to us. We fall in love as opposed to we make an active choice to love. And also thinking about the broader social context of it, we've been trained to think love is something emotional and naive, completely removed from the social sphere. So even we have a whole lot of people who are in DEI, a whole lot of people who are valued social justice, who don't talk about love. And talk about it as almost with sarcasm, as a snide thing that's naive and foolish and irrelevant. As opposed to think about the courage and the hope it takes to, I will invest in you. And I hope besides everything that popular culture tells me about love being empty and impossible, I still hope for others. I still hope for the bond that can exist between us and between everybody else. And a lot of these writers talk about it as a key pillar of social change that's what i'm learning i'm feeling like a valentine's day special or some kind is going to come out of this yeah and it's not cupid's arrow it's It's you know like that you just oh i just got struck and i don't know what happened and it's only romance it's no i have chosen to have the courage and bravery to hope the best in others even to find like all evidence to the contrary it's very easy to be cynical oh yeah it's very very easy Let me talk from myself. It's very easy for me to be cynical. You say, oh, yeah, everybody's, everyone's awful and mean and selfish. But think about how that's a product of that dehumanizing, objectifying, utilitarian world that we participate, as opposed to creating the conditions where people can be subjectified to hope for the best in others and hope for the best relationships from others. That's what I'm excited about. Really See, that's why I knew. If I, I was surprised you didn't uh, start with talking. And about I apologize. Love. I went three minutes. <laughs> two, so. so here's a question for you. Uh, remember a time when you knew that this was all worth it? So I'm sure there's ups and downs. I mean, we talked about cynicism. We talked about being surrounded by people that you know, it's never going to work and always expecting the worst in human behavior. Yeah. When do you know it's all worth it? So, you know, I, I think <laughs> you just said. Uh, took the key and threw it away, but no, we're going to bring that key back. I want to hear your your thoughts on this too. You know, I think one of the things that's really cool about the work that we do is that it is so personal. You know, Mm. there are so many times where people share with us, especially in one-on-one conversations. So we do something huge for an organization, big strategic recommendations, 40 something people on the call. Uh, We do a training. There's a thousand people on the call. We, uh, you know, are in in a session and we're, we're, we're doing a big presentation and there's 150 people in the room. There's all these 
moments where we're kind of surrounded in these big spaces. But I think the moments that really um, stick with me, those are awesome moments. And I we appreciate them and appreciate what can happen. The transformation can happen there. But I love the moments where it's one-on-one. Mm. And somebody says, you know what, Deanna, or you know what, Deanna and Justin, I was thinking about this thing that you said. You said it last week. You said it a month ago. You said it a year ago, right? Just, I was thinking about this thing and I decided that I was going to take this action, right? And whatever that is, whatever the thing is that they were thinking about that maybe they heard or Mm. learned or whatever. And then whatever the action might be too, right? Whatever they're thinking about doing next as a result of that. It's those moments of transformation because it's one thing, right? We always talk about this too. Like, but you know, a lot of people are like, why are you so gracious with your content and you should put up more firewalls so people can't get to, and we're like, no, (laughs) that's not one. That's not who we are. And two, like, that's not the purpose here. The purpose here is to give so generously that other people can go out and do even better work, right? Like take what they're doing and make it even better, like enhance it. So to me, it's just exciting to be able to be like a little piece of somebody else's Mm -hmm. bigger journey, like a little piece of what somebody else can accomplish. Like I think about the work that we do as a uh, like a node, is that what they call it? Like a node mm-hmm. and that it's connect. We're trying to connect yeah. to as many people and supercharge them with as much energy and joy and love as we yep. can supercharge them with so that they can connect with all the nodes that, that are connected to them and all, and they can redo that and they can make it better. And so I don't know, I, I, it's those moments where it's like, Oh, in the days that it's really hard or really sad or kind of overwhelming or tiring. I think about those and that's what really sustains me. Yeah. And I think to piggyback on that, when we do our trainings, when we do our sessions, when we do our classes, when we do our summits, we intentionally put in there that we do not present more than half the time. Mm -hmm. And when you're scheduling out a presentation (laughs) and you have, we're presenting for a third of the time, we're presenting for half the time representing for 49% of the time, it's terrifying. But I think a key aspect of that act of love and demonstrating love is the hope in the other, <laughs> hope in others. And I find, at least in my own personal journey, love, an essential act of love that has social transformative organizational potential is to listen more than I speak to create the space for people who are ignored, for people who are silenced, for people who do not have a voice, where you create enough space to listen, where they do that question like, wait, we're supposed to do something? Yeah. You want to hear from us? Yeah. And I find I'm very eager to want to see my presentations as acts of love. Hey, I'm going to tell you all the stuff I know, Mm -hmm. all the stuff I've found. But what that does is like, it kind of turns them again to a passive object of like, I'm just retaining all this information you're throwing at me, as opposed to making sure I balance out. I will demonstrate love and an act of faith where say, I ask, ask you a question and I have no idea where it's gonna go. I have no idea sometimes in these, like, you know, you, you said you have so many people on a call. You have so many, we don't know everyone's bio. We don't know where the conversation's going to go. And to see people take it and make connections I would have never made is amazing and it fills me with so much inspiration and hope where you maybe see people initially coming on the call and okay i don't know what this is going to be but i know i'm supposed to be afraid of it and then they have that moment where you see that fear turning to oh wait this is doable 
turning into, wait, I have an idea and I know it's an idea that Justin hasn't thought of. And they, like, I'll call him like, so go ahead and share. And you can just kind of see it on them when they, they unmute their microphone on the Zoom screen and then they start, they put the camera up like, okay, so we had a really great time. I'm like, oh, you're about ready to blow my mind. And that's really exciting that taking that leap of faith in others and then it's not returning void is very exciting. I think another thing that makes me really excited is knowing that there's so many people we get to share in conversation with. And so Mm -hmm. uh, we are at our time for this end of year podcast. Um, But I just want to say thank you to everybody who takes the time to listen to the podcast. A lot of the moments that we have, the the one-to-one moments come from people who listen to the podcast who say, you know what? I was listening to such and such and the way she said it, the way he said it, the way they said it, it really helped me understand how this could work in my own organization. And so I tried it. And I think there is so many ripples that happen as a result of people listening to the podcast, or they'll say, you know what? I shared it with my team. We all listened to it together. We all came back and had some feedback or they say, I started following somebody who, you know, was on the podcast. So again, this is really the podcast where Justin and I is one of our many acts of love are, are, are really our, our opportunities. We hope to be able to continuously give, um, generously and, and to see other people grow and again, be part of other people's journeys. So I just want to say on behalf of myself and me and on behalf of the whole entire uplifting impact team, we are deeply, deeply grateful that you joined us for this podcast. We're deeply, deeply grateful that you joined us for this season. We are excited about what is going to happen in our next season. We already have some phenomenal guests lined up and uh, really here to be able to teach all of us. We want to make sure that you get to feel part of that conversation because I think we've said it like now 15 times how important it is to make sure that this is a, a two-way dialogue. So we encourage you to go ahead and join us by subscribing, by liking, by sharing, but also going to our website, upliftingimpact.com and giving you know some of your ideas and thoughts of things that we talked about or going on to LinkedIn, connecting with us there. That's like the platform that Justin and I spend the most amount of time on from a social media perspective, but going there and, and sharing your thoughts and ideas there or connecting with us or sending us podcast uh, guest ideas. If you have any, we are always open to all of the above, but from the bottom of our hearts, really, truly, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to uplift impact. And thank you for all the impact that you are uplifting also. We'll see you in the next season. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.